started with our business meeting. If everybody will find a place to sit, and um, we'll just get started. First, I want to thank everyone for being here. My name is Cindy Wingo. I'm the new president of the Bay County Republican Women. I am new to the area. I moved uh, to Schulenburg last March, but I have been involved with Republican Women's Clubs for many years. So I was honored to be asked to be president this year. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know everyone. Uh, thank goodness I have a very experienced board, so they're kind of leading me through. Uh, they keep talking about people, and I keep going, well, who's that? So I'd um, be happy to, to put faces with names today. So we're going to get started first with our prayer and then our pledges. So maybe you all want to just go ahead and stand up. Um, William Burnson's going to lead us in our pledges. So why don't you come on up here, William. This is uh, Carmela Atwood, our chaplain. She's going to lead us in our prayer. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we come to you today with a humble heart, praying to you, Father, creator of heaven and earth. You are mighty, sovereign, holy, just, merciful, full of grace, willing to forgive whenever we acknowledge you. We are grateful that we live in a nation where we can freely and publicly worship you, a country but we can elect those who govern us. We ask for forgiveness. As a nation, we have taken you and your ways out of our schools, our government, and even some of our churches. We now are living in the consequences of those uh, gradual, slow, but willful choices. We see lawlessness, homelessness, great division, lack of love for life, selfish ambition, and much more. But I pray by your great mercy, these very things will cause us to turn back to you. I pray today for these brave men and women who came here and are willing to step up and serve and lead this county, this state, and this nation. I pray you will be their guide, their lead, their moral compass, their conscience in all that they do in public and in private. Help us not only to talk the talk, but walk the walk. Your word tells us, apart from you, you can do nothing. But with Christ, you can do all things. Please help Fayette County to be an example, a role model of your great love, truth, and justice <clears throat> for others to see. Bring revival to our country once again, and let it begin right here in my own heart. I pray these things in your son's holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carmela. That's beautiful. Okay, now we have our pledges. The flags are all over here. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, one state under God, one and indivisible. Thank you, William. You may be seated. 
Okay, if I could have everybody in, on the board that's going to have a, a report, if you could come on up so we can kind of run through this fairly quickly. Come on up, membership. Deborah? Introduce yourself. I'm Deborah Eggisalvo. I'm the membership chair. And I'm um, pleased to say that as of right now, we have 30 members, but I know we've had a couple already sign in. So any of you women that want to be part of the Women's uh, uh, Republican Party, please get in touch with us. And we have 15 men associates. Men too. Huh? We want men too. Oh, yeah. Associates are the men or uh, teenagers that are 13 to 17 years old. We welcome you all. Thank you very much. Thank you, Good day. I'm Diane Petrus. I'm the treasurer of the Fayette County Republican Women. Uh, our current bank balance is $15,251. Uh, at the end of the year, we completed our financial review and passed. Uh, that information will be here at the table if you'd like to review it. Yeah. Yeah. Closer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and then our 2024 budget is available here on the table. Um, do I have a motion to accept the budget from any of our members? Okay. And a second. And a second. Okay. okay. The budget has passed. Thank you. Can I, can I ask who those were? That was uh, De Debbie. Debbie. And Rita. And Rita. Thank you. No, it was Patsy. Patsy. Oh, it's okay. Because I'm not. Okay. Hello, I'm Barbara Appelt. I am the campaign chair. And I'm reporting on hours, the volunteer hours that everybody works in the parades or the. Um, Fair booth, what have you. And anyway, our club for this last quarter reported 1,179 hours. And uh, this helps uh, the candidates where they don't have to do as much campaigning. We do work for them. We set up forums. And uh, the person that had the most hours this month was uh, Deborah Equisable. And she gets a little prize. Yay! Okay, now we have our legislative report. I'm Kimberly Rutledge. I'm the legislative chair. And for those of you women who are here today who have not become members, part of what we do as an organization is educate on conservative principles and promote conservative candidates. So I would like for y'all to consider joining. Anyway, okay. There are three acts that I want to talk about. Preventing Private Paramilitary Activity Act. A bill that would outlaw state militias was introduced by Democrat Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts. This bill is an attack on gun themselves or the ammunition they require, but an attack on the militias that are directly mentioned in the Constitution as legitimate and lawful organizations. The argument for this bill is Maryland Democrat Representative Jamie Raskin is the anti-Second Amendment bill co-sponsors in the House. And he said the groups use political violence to intimidate Americans and threaten democracy. 
He's referring to the January 6th rally attendees and ignoring the riots during the summer of love following the overdose death of George Floyd. Those against the bill, this legislation is needless as all 50 states already have laws restricting private paramilitary activity. There aren't any federal prohibitions, but if the states already have such rules, why is federal legislation needed? The bill is also pointless in its other provisions because the activities outlined are already covered by other laws, both federal and state. Representative Clay Higgins of Louisiana proposed an amendment to Title III of the United States Code that essentially says, if any state in our union blocks the official nominee of a major political party from the presidential ballot, their electoral slate will not be counted by Congress on the following January 6th. I think that's a good intention. I don't know that that's going to pass. We have gun rights face a whirlwind of federal action in 2024. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. This portion of the legislative report explains how one act has been funded, abused, patched with more proposed legislation, imperils 2A rights, and will need to be settled by the Supreme Court. 18 months after it was enacted, President Joe Biden credits the 2022 Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the Act, for saving lives. He has touted the disbursement of $1.5 billion to schools to add safety measures and increases prosecutions of gun dealers due to a revised definition in the Act. The Biden administration has used the Act as a launching point for executive overreach. The abuse. Biden goes on to issue executive orders, promote new laws, direct the ATF to write new rules, and change legal definitions to get the gun control he wants. This is where the executive branch essentially writes its own criminal law. According to the White House website, he issued 21 executive orders under the umbrella of the Act within a month of the law being enacted. Republicans who supported the Act promised the law would address violent crime without infringing on the rights of law-abiding gun owners. Senator John Cornyn took heat for helping broker the deal with Democrats. And now for the money. Since the act became law June 2022, Texas colleges, universities, school districts, and community organizations have received nearly $40 million for school safety, community violence prevention, and mental health resources, and provided $200 million in new grant funding for crisis intervention programs, mental health courts, veteran treatment programs, and drug treatment courts. Every state, including the Republican governors, has accepted this funding pursuant to an implement implementation plan. And now it needs a patch. Barely 16 months after the act was signed, Biden administration tried to eliminate hunting education in schools with a unilateral decision by the education secretary to cut funding for archery and hunter safety programs to comply with the act. In response to this, Protecting Hunted Heritage and Education Act was introduced to clarify that students may have programs and activities such as archery and hunting safety education under the act. So, to imperil 2A, the ATF's new rule to redefine what it means to be engaged in the business of dealing in firearms is an attempt to increase government regulatory authority without congressional approval. Again, the executive branch, through the ATF and these proposed rules, aims to create criminal law out of thin air. 
Biden says the act has provided him the political approval to take action. So, feeling full of himself, Biden aims to repeal a 2005 law called the Protecting Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. This is to make gun makers responsible for the criminal use of a firearm. So, just one organization, the Second Amendment Foundation, is involved in 57 active lawsuits. Gun control politicians will continue to introduce laws and policies they know won't pass constitutional muster to create a legal quagmire because lawsuits can take years to make it through the courts, leaving law-abiding gun owners subject to de facto gun control. There are four top issues the gun control proponents are expected to focus on, and all four have been the subject of lawsuits to be ultimately decided by the Supreme Court. One is widening the laws that designate places in which it's illegal to carry a firearm, so-called sensitive places. Two, expanded background checks for 18 to 20 year olds. Three, bans on assault weapons. And four, ban on magazines that hold more than a certain number of rounds. To finalize my report, House Resolution 957, Denouncing the Biden administration's open border policy, condemning the national security and public safety crisis along the southwest border, and urging President Biden to end this administration's open border policies. This resolution is in the first stage of the legislative process. It was introduced to Congress on January 11th, so not too long ago. It will typically be considered by committee next before it is possibly sent on to the House or the Senate as a whole. And governmenttrack.us prognosis gives it a 14% chance of being agreed to. This hits the House floor this week. Thank you, Kimberly. Wow, lots of information. Um, I think uh, one good thing, and I'm going to touch on this later, we are going to be having a, we're creating a new website, and Kimberly will have her own legislative page. So she'll be able to post this information on that page, and um, you'll be able to go back and refer to that, check on bills, things like that. So we're looking forward to that. Um, unless there's any other business, I'm going to say this. Oh, yes, Barbara? We had to vote on the budget. We did vote on the yeah. budget. Yeah. Oh, she, I thought we would do it in general. Okay. Do we, we ask? We made a motion, and we seconded it in general. Okay. Okay. Do uh, so now. We're going to vote on our budget. We we do have detailed uh, information up here if anybody's interested. And um, so, uh, all in favor of the budget, please say aye. Aye. Anybody opposed? So moved. Thank you so much. Thanks, Barb. Um, let's see. Unless there's anything else, I'm going to adjourn this meeting at. I have no idea what time it is. 11.30. 11.29. Okay. That was a quick meeting. Okay. Good. All right. So now we're going to go on to the, to while you're here, and um, I'm going to call uh, Ms. Rita Durnell up to uh, take it from here. All right. We're going to move ahead um, to begin our candidate forum today. Uh, first of all, I want to thank all of the candidates for taking time out of your very busy schedules to be here. We appreciate it. Um, now I want to get a little uh, business out of the way. 
the Texas Federation of Republican Women's Policy states that every Republican candidate on a primary ballot is to be included in all sponsored candidate forums. So in compliance, all of our local and district Republican candidates have been invited to participate in both our meeting today and our meeting on February 21st. Additionally, we need you to know that the TFRW and the FCRW do not take a position in primary elections. Okay, our forum today is going to be conducted as follows. Our candidates will be called to the front in ballot order. So this will be the order that you will see the candidates when you uh, go to vote. Starting with our U.S. Congressional District 10. And each candidate will have five minutes for an introduction, followed by uh, a few audience questions. So at this time, I would like to go ahead and call up Congressman McCall's representative, uh, Eddie Arasa. Danny Salazar. He, <laughs> I thought Eddie was going to be here today. Thank you. I'll give you the mic. Hi there, y'all. I'm Danny Salazar. I'm the field director for Congressman McCall's campaign. And uh, Congressman McCall's served y'all faithfully for years. He's sorry he couldn't make it today. And he hopes to continue to serve you. He's been the uh, chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee. He's the chair emeritus of the House Homeland Security Committee, which is in a doozy right now. Right now he's trying to impeach Secretary Mayorkas, the Homeland Secretary, who's let our border become such a travesty. And that's just an update on what he's doing. Great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And we also have our uh, Chief of Staff, Drew Ross. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. You're good. You're good. Hello, y'all. Uh, Drew Ross here. Uh, my day job is Chief of Staff for Congressman McCall. He is stuck in D.C. with votes this week. Uh, it's just been one of those things where he tried to get to the district. Mike Johnson's pulled a lot of things to the floor, trying to get through appropriations. Of course, you've got the budget deadline and stuff like that. And so I drew the uh, best card and got to stay back this week and go to travel throughout the district. I actually live in Bastrop and travel back and forth as needed. I've been with him about six years and slowly kind of worked through his uh, campaign, worked through his official side, and I'm blessed to be part of his team. Now, what this election is about, because I'm going to step in out of my official role to talk about a little bit about what the campaign's doing and where we're going. Now, I've been with him long enough when he was uh, with a uh, chair of Homeland and then kind of going through the Trump years where we were rocking and rolling. I've never seen him so pissed off uh, in the last couple months, especially the last couple weeks. Now, especially with the border, there are many issues in Texas, but the only issue is the border. So this, uh, the last two weeks, we've been gearing up working with Chairman Green in Washington, D.C. This week will be the second hearing to impeach Morarcus. We're focusing on uh, basically the victims. We've got a family coming in on uh, uh, tomorrow, actually, where a lady is speaking on behalf of her daughter that was uh, one of them was killed by uh, MSR 13, which we had in our possession, but let them go. We have victims of fentanyl, and then we have a border sheriff talking about the lack of resources. And so we're doing everything we can to make sure we basically blast it out from D.C. And he's also traveling this weekend to go to the border. I'll be with him as we'll go through and talk to border agents. We'll be talking to a lot of individuals off. And then we're traveling to Mexico City where we'll talk about the uh, MPP program, Made in Mexico policy, because this administration is not going to do anything about it. And so he's doing everything he can 
as chairman to, to, to bring this policy back and to, to bring the Mexican government to say like, hey, we need some help. What do you need to do? And then we're going to go back and really force some things because the Mexico government is actually wanting to have some conversations. So we're going to be going uh, through all that too. Listen, also, we're trying to get back to the America First policies back under Trump, right? The strong su supporter, we want to get back to low inflation, better gas prices. Because right now, Biden is eating his ice cream in Washington, D.C., and I don't think he knows what's going on. And we want to make sure that when, with uh, going through as we continue to march through the campaign, march through with President Trump, and as we go through this, to make sure that the America First policies, policies are back on the forefront. And we look forward to continuing to work with our colleagues across the district and our colleagues across Texas. We're proud to have the endorsement of Governor Abbott, uh, Dan Patrick, our state reps, all our state senators here in Texas 10. And we'll continue to work through your votes, and I'll be sticking around afterwards to talk about any kind of other concerns or any other policies that you may uh, want to consider. So again, Drew Ross, happy to be here. Thank you all for having us. If you are going to have soup or salad, why don't you go ahead and go get it? Okay, everyone, I think we're going to try to get started and everybody will find their spot and sit down. Just feel free to come and go to get your sandwich and your soup. Just We'll just keep moving around, but let's go ahead and get back, get focused on our um, what we're here for today. Thanks. I know uh, all of our candidates... Uh, we give you five minutes for an introduction and to talk about uh, your campaign and all. And we do have a timekeeper up here. So when you're at four minutes, she's going to do this. <laughs> and then you'll know you have one more minute. And then after all of the candidates in each race have spoken, then we will take questions from the audience related to that uh, race. So we're going to go ahead and get started again. Um, I would like to call up our U.S. Congressional District 10, second candidate on our ballot, uh, Jared Lovelace. Howdy, everyone. Good to see all of your uh, faces again. Hopefully everybody's staying warm and nobody had any, uh, any water issues over the last few days. Um, my name is Jared Lovelace, for those of you who I haven't met yet. Um, please come up and say hi afterwards, love to, love to get to know you a little bit. And it takes me a while to memorize names, but I'm working on it. Um, I am very passionate about um, the border. I'm very passionate about our national debt. And those two issues, for me, are the nearest. In, in the Army, we talk about 25-meter targets, and we talk about 300-meter targets, and you know, one kilometer targets and stuff. The deep fight, you got, you can't ever forget about it, right? But it's it's the hand grenade range, hand grenade range targets that are right in front of you that you have to address immediately. And the border is definitely within hand grenade range of us. We are in a knife fight right now with the border. Um, so, as far as the border goes, this isn't a new issue. Like the border has been an issue for decades, and. Um, what I'm running on is results. What, what results have we gotten in the last 20 years? And in the Army, good, in the Army, you could see the difference between good commanders and bad commanders. Typically, good commanders were very proactive and they got real results. And when it came time for their evaluation rated by their senior commanders, 
it was very obvious who had actually gotten the job done. Then there are those bureaucrats who like to sit in, who, who, who sit in their position and they claim to have a bunch of experience and have been very influential in certain topics or subjects. But when it boils down to it, what results have you gotten? Um, I feel like the border, we shouldn't have to be arguing over the border right now. It should have been fixed a long time ago. Um, now, that, that being said, the, the national debt is out of control. Our congressional spending is out of control. And financial collapse is something that we need to be thinking about. It, it may be not going to happen right now, but if we continue to spend the way that we spend, the federal government itself has said that what it's doing is not sustainable. You can look on the, on the, uh, on the Treasury's website and uh, read all about what makes up the national debt, what, what mandatory spending is, what discretionary spending is, and all that. Um, but we have got to check Congress in, in what we're spending and how we're spending it, because if we don't check that now, this might be the last real chance that we have to do something about it before later generations have to pay for it. Um, so I consider myself to be a fiscal constitutional conservative. There's a lot of things that are burning in the world right now, but we have to focus on America first and shore up the issues that matter the most for our prosperity, our longevity, and quite frankly, our physical security, okay? Um, so that, that, that's, that's really what it's all about. It's about principle. It's, it's, it's about doing the right thing. It's about being uh, prudent and a good steward with American tax dollars that we've worked, worked hard to earn. Um, and I'm very passionate about checking the government and how much power that it has. Um, the, the, the amount of power that the federal government has today is just unmatched in, in, in the history of the world, in the history of our country. And so um, they, uh, the, the, I think what, what makes me, I guess, I guess the word is excited to run is um, for too long in the Army, I wasn't allowed to have an opinion. I wasn't allowed to express my political ideas because I was supposed to remain neutral as an Army officer, and I did. Uh, as I got out of the Army, after I finished serving our country, um, I thought about, you know, I made some goals that I wanted to be a lot more politically engaged and I wanted to stand up for what was right and raise my voice because what's happening in our country right now, if we, if we allow ourselves to be the silent majority and allow both the left and Republicans as well to sit in office too long to waste our tax dollars and not get results, we're going to lose, we're going to lose our country. And, uh, so I'm trying to run to do something about that. And at the end of the day, I just appreciate y'all being here, and I look forward to meeting more of you afterwards. Would both candidates like to step to the front so that uh, we can take any uh, audience questions? Does anyone have a question for either of these two candidates? No questions. Oh, Danny, thank you. Well, not candidates. Yes, yes. Anybody? Yes. Anybody have any questions? Yes. Uh, some time ago, uh, there was a coup of sorts in the House of Representatives that uh, got rid of uh, Mr. McCarthy. And that involved a small group of committed 
fiscal conservatives mm -hmm. that you either love them or hate them. Uh, but I believe, in hindsight, watching the whole process unfold, we ended up with Mike Johnson, who is an acceptable candidate. So my question for both you and you is, you in your case, and uh, Mr. Paul in your case, whose side would you have been on? I know whose side Mr. Paul was on. How would, how would you, Jason, have come down in that fight? My name is Jared. Thank you. Um, I'm Jared. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm not afraid of shutting down the government. I'm not afraid of being unpopular in DC circles. Uh, quite frankly, I don't want to be in Congress a long time. Um, my loyalty is to you as the people. I don't want to serve for 20 years. I think that the cap for me that I've set for myself is four terms if I, if I get elected. And the reason for that is I don't want to be dependent on the powers that be in DC. I want to be dependent on you and what you think and what you want. And if I show day one in DC thinking I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done, with the expectation I'm gonna be there a long time, I'm not going to, like the day I get there, I'm gonna realize how everything works, I'm gonna to have to learn how to play the system, and then I'm gonna start passing continuing resolutions and raising the debt ceiling, and, um, you know, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that every member of that particular caucus like does, but when it boils down to it, enough is enough, and if we have to shut down the government in order to stop wasting money, then so be it, you know, so, um, if you're asking whether I have the courage to stand out, stand alone, absolutely, because uh, you are what matters, not, not them. And even if it means that I don't have my paycheck for six months or something until we get it figured out, like, we'll have to figure it out, I guess, you know? Um, but, does that answer your question? Uh, it did, thank you. Okay. Any comments on So, yeah, I'm also the speaker of the one of the frustrations he had at the interview with the biggest fan of McCarthy, but it was not planned for when you got rid of it. And that was his biggest issue. Was just kind of like, hey, but even though there's all these other candidates that came up, no one had numbers, right? There were so many in the Texas delegation that somebody from Texas, you know, whether it be Jim Roy, whether they're my office, or somebody else. It's like, you've got the biggest delegation in Congress, so let's put somebody up and use that as a push, but there was just never really a consensus. So the boss was just kind of like, you don't have to let the dust settle. And then after we outgrew the car, he was frustrated because we lost a lot of valuable floor time. Floor time we could have been passing conservative things. And so we rallied around that. Mark Johnson, he was the one that I guess, uh, as, as, as a DC upper, that nobody really knew at the time. So it was just kind of like, hey, didn't have that. Uh, but we were walking step in hill. Uh, we think he's the right choice. The one thing we think about him is that he's kind of resetting everything. Um, even as, new, as I came chief last September, the good thing about um, kind of starting new was that he had all new staff. And so a lot of them are still learning, some of them are still building, uh, still onboarding, quite frankly, to get some new folks on. But we're still off step with him. He listens to everybody, he wants to get everyone's feedback. The problem is the conference is so wide, you got different viewpoints from whether it be a conservative in California, <coughs> or New York, all the way to Florida, and in between. And so right now, with Steve's police out with the cancer, and then I think there was another one who was in a car accident, we're at 218. So if we lose one vote, no matter what it is, then we're, we're crippled again. So we're a different kind of majority in the sense of like this is new history. And honestly, I'm glad I'm not Mike Johnson trying to figure out how to hold on to this. Now when it comes down to shutting down the government, I'm also not going to do that at all. 
the problem is that uh, other individuals who are very loud, uh, like veterans, like sitting down and go, there's a lot of veterans, they're politically stopped. Um, there are even arguments that the military comes to us and say, listen, you sit down the government, we're still paying money, contracts are still going, we're just not getting your work done. The Border Patrol is another one that's very loud and clear. Those are the things that we kind of weigh to figure out, you know, what is the, the necessary uh, I'm afraid that the Sanders woman Jamis with a CR will wait to see when that comes out the next week or so, or maybe the next day or so, we'll decide on that. And then we'll go in long step with uh, what Mike Johnson says, and then the Texas delegation will all meet together to figure out what's the best step. So I hope that answers your question, but that's kind of where Tom Hall's uh, is right next door. Well, it gets back to what works and what doesn't, and the, the slim majority uh, and the controlling that only favor. The only power we have is the power of the groups. And unwillingness to call their bluff and shut it down, uh, we're just going to continue the way we have that definition. So thank you for, for sharing that. Okay, thank, thanks to both of you. We're going to now move on to the State House District 85 race if Tim Breeson will come to the front. Thank you. Well, like Jeremy was saying, it's great to be here today. Uh, thank y'all for having me, and thank you to the Republican Women of Fayette County for putting this on. I really appreciate it. I am um, Tim Greeson. I was going to go over kind of who I am and what I stand for and uh, why I'm running. So I grew up down in Richmond, Texas, not too far from here. Uh, I went to A&M and got an engineering degree. I, uh, yeah, I worked in oil and gas for 10 years as a structural engineer. And I did forensic engineering for a short term while I had a uh, non-compete contract, and then I switched over and did naval architecture. So I've had my own engineering firm for about seven years now, where I've been an independent naval architect. I still do a little bit of structural engineering as well. I do uh, weird, complicated stuff. I work on several grants from the U.S. Navy for uh, inventing some new, or working on some new technologies I've invented for dry docking. I also have a historical vessel section where I help support the LST-325, the Alyssa, which is a tall ship if you've ever been to Galveston. I do pro bono work for them. And I uh, am the engineer of record for the Battleship Texas. So I've, I redesigned the blisters and the dry dock it sits on. Uh, so all fun projects, in addition to other types of boats and barges and things I do. Beyond that, I've, uh, I moved to Sealy in 2008. Sealy is part of our district, so I'm running for House District 85. That is Waller, Austin, Colorado, Fayette, and Warden counties, and even a little part of Fort Bend. It's not the part you'd expect. It's Southern Sugarland, parts of Deepville, Thompson's that area. So Sealy's been a part of our district. Um, uh, Sealy, oh, anyway. So I've lived there since 2008. Sorry, I thought I had a question there. Um, and I've been a uh, volunteer firefighter EMT in Sealy for about 12 years. In addition to that, I, uh, I run our emergency operations in Sealy, um, which thankfully we didn't have to activate for this, uh, this cold weather, although we were, we were close. And uh, I'm a disaster engineer with the state. So I love helping people and serving people. I love engineering. And that's probably the mo one of the most fun things I get to do. And this is a guy who designs historical vessels for a living. I, uh, I, I get to help people with my engineering. So I go in after disasters, as called out by the governor or the president, and I analyze collapsed and partially collapsed buildings to help the firefighters with me determine how to shore them to make them less dangerous to get in and, and save people. So I've been to almost every tornado in the state of Texas you can think of. My first deployment was to the disaster of West Texas after a fertilizer plant blew up. 
doing house-to-house -house searches, looking for, uh, you know, victims. My latest appointment, I was in Perryton this summer, if y'all remember, they had a tornado. Um, and then I was in Florida for Hurricane Idalia. So I've served the community for a really, really long time. And now I'm looking to serve the community as a legislator in Austin. Why am I running? Well, I feel like we're losing Texas. We're showing hands. Who in here feels like we're losing Texas, no matter how many Republicans we send to Austin? Almost everybody. Show of hands, how many of y'all think establishment Republicans are going to be able to get the job done and save us, pull us back from the brink? No one. Man. I agree 100% with all of you. We are losing Texas. And the problem is we need to send people to Austin who are actually conservatives, not just people who run as a Republican. I'm a true believer in conservatism. I want more freedom, not less. I have two little girls. I want them to grow up more free than me, not less free. We're not on track to do that. Furthermore, our state, if, you know, this is the case, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about, but it's true. Our state is under assault by the globalists, by the Marxists, the WEF, if you don't know who they are, the World Economic Forum. There's, um, they have a saying, you know, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll love it. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to give up my, my house or my property or anything else. So we, we have got to push back against them. Pretty much every issue we have, from election integrity to the border, it all starts with the federal government being completely and totally out of control. They're making uh, average Texans criminals by passing ATF rules that, that without legislative approval. They, are, uh, have, they have FBI agents in our churches. They have, uh, the EPA is regulating the wet spot in front of my house. We need bold people who are gonna stand up and throw those people out of our state. If they're welcome to come back whenever they start abiding by the Constitution. Until they do, they need to leave. And I think we need people in Austin who are gonna stand up to that. What we don't need is people in Austin who are gonna vote for socially transitioning kids, like my opponent did. We don't need a Biden mileage tax, which my opponent voted for. And we don't need, uh, you know, we don't need to be paying uh, state taxpayer money for buildings in San Antonio, uh, anyway, all kinds of stuff. So that's why I'm running for state representative. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions for our candidate? Okay. Well, then we're going to move on. Thank you so much for being here. Now we're going to move on to our uh, Fayette County Attorney uh, race. Uh, our first candidate on the ballot is James Herbrick. Did he? Okay. Well then, uh, second uh, candidate on our ballot is Mark Elvick, so I'll go ahead and let him speak. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Mark Elvig, and I am running for county attorney, and this is my opportunity to introduce myself to you because not many of you know me. I live in this county. I love this county, and um, I've decided to run for this office because I think I can do a good job for too long, and you finally have a choice. For too long, multiple decades, you haven't had a choice for this office, and finally you do. I think I can do a good job, uh, and I think it's the voter's choice, not someone else's. 
Before going into my experience and introducing myself, I want to give thanks to my parents who are here, Jack and Ruth Elvig, uh, for instilling in me the, the values and the work ethic that have made me successful throughout my career. They have been in this county for over 46 years, and without their upbringing, I wouldn't have succeeded as much as I have. So thank you. And I want to thank my wife, Katrina, for being here, uh, for your support, and just for being here. So who am I? I graduated from UT Law School in 1984, uh, and I had the experience to handle the county attorney job uh, and to do a good job for you as the citizens. Uh, you know, and I want to keep this on the high road, but my opponent is touting he's the experienced candidate, but let me tell you about my experience. So I started off at the city attorney's office in Houston and then at law firms, and I worked 22 years trying cases, JP court up to federal court, for 22 years. Uh, and then at the end of my career in law firms, I was elected to be the partner in charge of a 40-lawyer uh, office of a 300-member law firm, regional law firm. So I had that experience in managing people and working with people. Then I went in-house as counsel to a publicly traded New York Stock Exchange or International Oil and Gas Service Company. Uh, and for the last 13 and a half years of that work, I was the general counsel of that company, which managed over five, which had over 5,000 employees, operated in more than 50 countries. I was a member of the senior management team, and I managed people, and I worked with people. I managed the legal affairs of that company for 13 plus years. I'm the only candidate in this race who has management experience over a law department. Now, I'm not running for my opponent's position as assistant county attorney. I'm running for his boss's position. And part of that is management. And I have that experience. Um, you know, when I started at Core Lab, I didn't know any of the topics that they did. I had never been in house counsel, but I figured it out. And I worked at 16 months for, uh, as assistant general counsel. And then when my boss retired suddenly, the CEO came into my office and said, stuck out his hand and said, congratulations, you're promoted. And I worked with him for over 13 more years. And I tell you, in the business world, if you're not doing a good job, they have a way of getting rid of you. And they did get rid of plenty of people, but they didn't get rid of me. I was doing a good job for them, and I think I've demonstrated my ability to learn new topics, to work with people, to get along, and to manage whatever the legal issues are that people are facing. I am a true Republican, having voted for every Republican presidential candidate since I could first vote in 1980 when I voted for Ronald Reagan. Now, one of the things I hear about me is I'm not from here. You can't support this guy because he's not from here. Well, Fayette County is my home. I've owned property here for 16 years. I moved here full-time two and a half years ago when I retired from Coral Laboratories. I didn't just graduate from law school last week and move from some distant state and come in to, to take over this county. This is my home. 
I've been active in organizations since before I moved out here full time. I have taught in the schools. I have been involved with Festival Hill, uh, the library, different organizations. Uh, so this is my home, and I care about it. So, yeah, I'm not from here. I wasn't born here, but I can't do anything about that. And I don't think that should be disqualifying for holding this position and representing you all as uh, the county attorney uh, for Fayette County. And in case it matters, one final point. One of, there are two assistant county attorneys, my opponent and one other. He operates a law firm in Bastrop, and on the state bar page, he's shown as his principal place of business is Bastrop. He's not from here, but it doesn't matter for him, but it apparently matters for me. I don't think it matters for anybody. If you can do the job, you can do the job. Thank you very much. Apologize, I had a call from the office. Um, I had to step out. Uh, first of all, I'd like to introduce my wife and two of my five kids that came here today supporting me. She loves when I put her on the spot, so I do it every time. She's definitely my better half and my biggest supporter. I grew up here in Fayette County. Many of you probably recognize me. When I was 18 years old, I became a volunteer EMT for the Fayette County Volunteer EMS. I left here on scholarships from this community to go to nursing school, and I went to the University of Texas School of Nursing. When I got out of the University of Texas School of Nursing, I ended up back in Fayette County working at Karen. I also worked in Austin doing labor and delivery at Seton. I had two full-time jobs. I worked over 90 hours a week. I had a very strong work ethic. When I left here, I went to Lubbock on scholarship to go to law school. When I got done, guess where I ended up? I ended up back here in Fayette County. I was working as a weekend supervisor at Karen Nursing Home. I was working during the day, full-time, Monday through Friday, in Victoria as an assistant district attorney. I was working 60, 70 hours a week in Victoria, working into the night every day of the week. When I wasn't at work, I was riding around with law enforcement, learning how they do their jobs. I rode around with several troopers, several officers. I prepared for trials in a patrol car. I wanted to know how they did their job. I came home on the weekends. I worked double shifts at Carrion. I was a weekend supervisor. I managed that facility. My opponent says I don't have management experience, which is wrong. I'm the only one that has management experience in ADA's office. When I worked in Victoria, I was over the misdemeanor department. I was promoted to the felony department, felony drugs. They sent me to a week-long conference doing felony drugs. I was going to be assistant prosecutor in the felony drug division. When I got back, I got another promotion. I was now over the felony theft division. One of my cohorts when I was in Victoria came down with cancer, and he was going to be gone for six weeks. So I was put over his division as well. I tried five cases in six weeks. One was to a jury, forward to the bench. I won all five cases. I did that and managed my docket and managed my department. I did the appellate work for that attorney because he was our appellate attorney. I ended up in the 13th Court of Appeals. That Court of Appeals I did oral argument in front of adopted my opinion. It became the opinion of the court. Since then, I came back to LaGrange. This was my hometown. 
When I got out of law school, I applied right away to work here in Fayette County at the DA's office. I applied with John Wheat. He didn't give me an interview. I had no experience. Experience matters. When I came back, I applied with Ms. Shupak when she took office, and I've been here with her since day one. Ms. Shupak, as many of you know, had some pretty serious health issues coming about right at the beginning of this election, and she decided to step down. She contacted me on Sunday. I thought we were going to go forward and we are going to get her campaign going, and she said, I can't do it. I cannot campaign for a year with my heart. I'm stepping down. I want you to run. You are the man for this job. I told her I'd have to think about it. I need to talk to my wife. Monday, I made the decision I was going to run. At 11 o'clock in the morning, she contacted the Democratic Party and said she wasn't running. She was withdrawn. At 11.05, I contacted Deborah Frank. By 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I had filed to run, and Ms. Shupak had filed to get off the ballot. I have never ran against my boss, and I never would. I've always told her that if I didn't like what was going on here, I'd leave but I like what was going on here. I am a Republican. I have always been a Republican. My wife is a Republican and I've raised my five children to be Republicans. We are Fayette County. I am the only one with experience trying murder cases, trying sexual assault cases, trying felony aggravated assault cases, and DWI cases. I'm the only one who's tried anything higher than a Class C misdemeanor on that ballot. And I'm asking for your vote because I am the experienced candidate. I am the one who is qualified. As far as volunteer activities, I've been volunteering this community for as long as I can remember. I've been a Boy Scout leader. I've been a, a president of our uh, Farm Bureau. I've been president of my church. I've been chairman of my elders at my church. I've been president of my men's club at my church. Uh, I volunteered to fix the park. I've done volunteer activity all across the county from St. John and uh, Platonia to Winchester to Warda. I've been all over this county my entire life volunteering. This county is part of me. And I ask for your vote, and I appreciate your assistance in allowing me to take the podium today. Okay, um, does anyone have any questions for either of our two candidates? Okay. Thank you. Do you have a question? Okay. <laughs> any, any questions? Okay. Well, thank y'all very much. Okay. The next uh, three uh, candidates um, are not being primary, but of course we invited them to come and speak with you today and to introduce themselves so that you would know a little bit more about them. Uh, our county tax assessor collector is currently Sylvia Mendoza. So, Sylvia, if you'd like to come up and talk to us. Good afternoon. Um, I am Sylvia Mendoza, and uh, I am presently the serving tax assessor collector for Fayette County. I just want to take a moment just to say thank you to the Bay County Republican, Republican Women for the invitation to come and speak with you uh, this afternoon um, about uh, myself and what our office does. So again, my name is Sylvia Mendoza, and um, 
For the past 35 years, I have uh, made or called Schulenburg my home, and uh, I am married to Arthur Mendoza, and together we have four adult children and uh, seven grandchildren. Uh, prior to working, to coming to work for the county, I, was, I spent 18 years working with Wells Fargo Bank branch there in Schulenburg. And uh, I was hired by our dear friend, Rosalinda Guajardo Adamchek, I'm sure that all of y'all probably know her in one form or another. And uh, so I, I came to work for Rosalinda uh, right after she had received her appointment uh, to, um, to take the office for, for Carol Johnson's to, to serve her unexpired term. Uh, so in September of 2020, I was, I was uh, appointed to fill the unexpired term of Rosalinda, and, uh, which was a, an appointment which was an appointment that I was very honored and humbled to receive. And when I accepted that uh, appointment, I quickly realized how busy our office was. Uh, when she hired me, I was hired as a title clerk, you know, working the counter, receiving the customers, doing their title transactions, their boat transactions, whatever they had for the day. Little did I know what Rosalinda's position uh, consisted of. So quickly found out what um, needed to be done and uh, realized that um, it was a very busy office. So I am also gonna share with you this morning some of the services that our office does offer to the citizens of the county. First of all, we are an agent of the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, and through that, we um, do title transfers, motor vehicle title transfers for customers or, or for private party sales. Uh, not, uh, and then not also, excuse me, also for our Fayette County uh, motor vehicle dealers also. We do title transfer for, for uh, them also. And, um, excuse me, let me just find my position here. Our office on a daily basis, we again, we process title work uh, for individuals to come in. And then along with that, we also offer um, vehicle registration. So if you own a vehicle, you probably at one time or another have either visited our office or will be visiting our office here, you know, pretty soon within the year to buy your registration for your vehicle. And so um, also for those individuals or for those customers that are not able to come to LaGrange, and I realize that you know there's lots of us that don't make trips to LaGrange often or just it's inconvenient, we also have what we call web agents, which are agents of our office that uh, are situated into, into the county uh, that sell registrations for our motor vehicles. Currently, our two uh, web agents are uh, in, located one in Schulenburg, which is the Bubella Insurance Partners, and the other one is our in Round Top, the Mercantile Office. So they have worked with us for many, many years and uh, have been uh, providing our citizens of uh, Fay County uh, registrations for those that cannot come into to LaGrange. We also offer uh, a registration is also available to all customers online providing we don't have any internet issues. So that's also always available 24-7 for, for those that want to use that route right there. <coughs> Excuse me. 
we are in the process uh, process of establishing a new um, web agent location for our customers <coughs> down the Flatonia area. They've been out of, of um, someone locally to provide them registrations, so we are currently in the in the in the uh, process of doing that for for that area of the county. Our account, uh, our office also offers or issues the uh, blue and red placards that you might have seen or probably all see at one time or another in someone's uh, vehicle uh, in the county. So those those cards are something that, that come out of our office. They are issued to customers with a, I'm sorry, is it time? Yeah. I am so sorry. Oh my goodness. I just, I wanted to share with y'all just, you know, uh, what the, what our office did again when I came to work with this office I did not realize how busy we were but just know that uh, yes our office does offer many services for everyone so please uh, come see us at our new location on 143 North Main okay thank you guys No, ma'am, we have moved out of the courthouse in May of last year. We, uh, we were provided with a new uh, office to work on. We are now located to in, next door to Lucas's Bakery. We are still inside the square, but just outside of the courthouse on the west side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, now we're gonna move on to the County Commissioner Precinct 1 race, uh, Jason McMurray. Thank you. I, I am the reason that Sylvia has to do office. Uh, to, to tell you a story, Judge Ed had a bright idea. He wanted to, to move, or to, uh, I shouldn't say move, but he wanted to purchase the old Pioneer Bank building. I was the reason to shot it down. It was $750,000, and it was Thank way you. too much money. Then Judge Weber was approached by a real estate agent and said, hey, we want to move this place. Uh, they're asking three seventy-five, and Judge, Judge Weber said, what do you want to do? He go, I go, you tell them 375 or the next offer's 325. And they took it. Uh, so we, we did that. It was a great addition for the county. Got a lot of congestion out of the, out of the courthouse. Uh, it's sad to get the congestion out of the courthouse because it's such a pretty building. We like people to go in it, but we want to also preserve it so everybody can see it in the future. Uh, about myself, I'm Jason McGroom. I'm the County Commissioner of Precinct 1. Uh, my precinct goes all the way from Highway 95 and Old Lockhart Road on the kind of western side of the county and swings all over the north side of the county to Ledbetter at Rabs or at Cummings Creek. Uh, it's a pretty good distance between the two points. Uh, about myself, I graduated from Santa Houston State University in the year 2000. Uh, with a degree in agriculture. Then I went back and got another degree in 2002 in a, in a general business administration. Uh, I've worked various jobs. I worked for a home builder in Houston. I worked for Muldoon Minerals in Muldoon. I have uh, owned a service station in town. Uh, look, look, I know a lot of different things. Uh, I think it makes me a good person for what I do. Uh, as far as the county goes, some of the things that I've done in the county, I think I am the only person that has voted against our budget three times. <laughs> uh, so the, 
the first time I voted against it was with Judge Ed, and he wanted to lower taxes, which I'm all about, but he wanted to finance an ambulance, and it just didn't seem right to to, to pay interest instead of just get the money now. Uh, you just, just postponed it. Uh, second time I voted against was the retirement plan they wanted to do, uh, which ended up costing the county about a quarter million dollars to make it retroactive. Very good for the employees, but very costly for the county. And then this last time I was dealing with some raises for some certain departments that I think were just a little too excessive, not knowing the future, as none of us know. Uh, so some of the issues in my precinct right now, uh, probably the major one right now coming to mind is going to be increased truck traffic due to gravel trucks. Uh, I have five gravel pits just in my precinct. Uh, two new ones just opened up in Kirtley. One is 200 acres and one is 2,000 acres. Uh, they're projected to be there, one for 20 years and one for 10 years. They have totally annihilated the, the, the countryside. They have tore the county road up. The problem is there's nothing to make them repair the road. Uh, everything that all the gravel they're getting, or a good majority, is going to the larger cities, getting going into concrete because uh, everybody's wanting to build a new house, and no sales tax money, hardly anything comes back to the county, and it is destroying our countryside and our roads. And there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, the lobbying industry for the truck business is very strong, and it's kind of hard to get any traction on anything. Uh, drainage is another issue coming up. We just, I believe we're going to get a grant for the Plum area and the uh, Winchester area to alleviate some drainage issues there that have been going on for decades. Uh, but other than that, I enjoy what I do. Uh, I'm going to take this line from Judge Ed. I work for y'all. If y'all have any problems, let me know. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions for Jason? I have spoke to Senator Coleforce about it. It's been a few years back, but it's just trying to get anybody. But you also have to realize when you go buy a registration sticker, that gives you the ability to go on every road right. on the state of Texas. Yeah. Uh, we do get a small portion of money back from overweight permits. Those overweight permits get Basically, they, I believe they take all the money and divide it by all the counties. Our portion ends up being $30,000 split by four precincts. Sounds like a lot of money. One load of limestone is pushing 600 bucks now and goes about 60 feet. So it doesn't, doesn't get you very far. Uh, but it's, it's a continual battle. That's why I mentioned it today, just to get everybody knowing what's going on and that it is a problem. Uh, it, it's something that we're going to have to address because it's, it's costing the people of the county for people in other counties to make money here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? That's good. Any other questions? Okay. We're going to move on now to County Commissioner Precinct 3, Harvey Birkenhoff. He's not here. He could not make it. He couldn't make it today. Okay. Well, then we're going to move on to the County Constable Precinct 2 race. Um, Kenneth King is Kenneth here today. And Roger Wonderland. Roger's here. Yeah. 
Thank y'all for having me. Uh, I'm born and raised in Fayette County, live in the large metropolis of Rosno. It's two signs. If you blink, you missed it. Uh, it's between Warrington and Fayetteville. Went to school in Roundup Carmine, graduated there, um, started law enforcement in 1994. So I've been doing this a while. I've uh, been a appointed constable in 11, 2011 after my predecessor passed away and I've been doing it since. I uh, enjoy what I do. I try to take care of my residents of Precinct 2 and the whole county for that matter. That's why I am well, like we're doing courthouse security today. We have district court and the constable one and I do security screenings. Uh, we started that about a year ago after we had an altercation in the courtroom and Judge Steinhauser said he wants someone downstairs with a metal detector before somebody gets upstairs. <laughs> so uh, we screen them downstairs and upstairs and we do that on court days and trials and everything else. Along with Constable One, we uh, also do traffic enforcement. Uh, so I spend a good bit of my time if I'm not doing civil process. Uh, trying to slow traffic down through Ellinger and through Carmine, they're both in my precinct. My precinct comes from, goes from here to Ellinger, to Willow Springs, to almost to Shelby, to Windale, Round South, Carmine, Ledbetter, and back here. So I've got a pretty good uh, section of town. Some of town is in my precinct. I have lots of the uh, uh, subsidized housing. So I get a pretty good population of evictions. So that's one thing about this one, evictions are time sensitive, so you have to be available all the time uh, to serve the papers because they need to get served in a timely manner. And then if the subject doesn't move out, then you have to go to the next step and you have to move people out, which is not a fun operation, but that's what we do. So my biggest issues now is just uh, three times a year is dealing with the antique bear. <laughs> because all of that is in my precinct. So we get uh, lots of folks, as you all know, and that creates lots of problems. Uh, we get lots of good people come to town. We have some not so good. So we have to deal with what we got. So, you know, I know it's frustrating for the local people during that time. You know, they get upset because they can't go five miles away in five minutes. It could take 30 minutes at this rate. So, because you know, we've got traffic backed up from Roundup all the way to 290. So, Marburg and Farm Days is not a good day to be on 237. <laughs> plan your time around that. So, other than that, I enjoy doing this, and uh, I think I'm doing a good job. So, we'll see you at the election box. And uh, I'd like to do it for one more term. And uh, probably gonna hang it up after that. But uh, right now, I enjoy doing it. and. Uh, Appreciate y'all's support and vote and uh, go over it holding. All right, thank you. Does anybody have any questions for Roger? Okay, thank you. Okay, we're gonna move on to uh, County Constable Precinct 4. Is Mr. Strickland here today? No, okay. Then I'll go ahead and call up uh, Tammy McClenney.
Howdy. So I'm Tammy Jo McClenny. Most people know me as TJ Matt. I got that nickname at the sheriff's office when I worked there uh, for the past three years, and it just kind of stuck. I recognize a lot of faces out here from uh, my situational awareness classes that I teach throughout the county. I also teach uh, firearms instruction, women's learn to shoot, licensed to carry classes, so I, I do see a lot of people that I know. I've been a police officer for 31 years. I started out at the Travis County Sheriff's Office, graduated from their academy. Uh, a month after graduating from that academy, I got accepted into the Austin Police Department Academy. So I went 13 months back-to-back -back police academies. Uh, enjoyed my time at the Austin Police Department, uh, promoted to detective while I was there. I was also an academy instructor, worked lots of years on the streets, and uh, my family owned a business at Elgin. and. It really wasn't doing well, so we kind of voted amongst ourselves to have me resign my position there at the police department and take over the family business, which I did. In the meantime, I reserved um, at the Elgin Police Department and at the Lockhart Police Department, which I enjoyed. But then I decided I wanted to do law enforcement full-time again, so I got back on uh, full-time with the Belton Police Department. During all this time, I lived in Giddings, in the county right next door. So I was commuting uh, all that time to the Austin Police Department and to Belton. My time at Belton, I spent five years there. It's an amazing organization there. Uh, I took on the, the community coordinator position. I was also uh, asked by the, the police chief to become a firearms instructor. They had never had a female firearms instructor in the history of the Belton Police Department, so I was the first. I was very blessed because in the state of Texas, we had about 5,400 law enforcement firearms instructors of that 5400 there's only 140 females so i was very blessed to be one of those while working at the belton police department my chief also asked me to take on the REOK program he wanted a police officer in charge of that y'all know what the REOK program is it's an elderly care program and it got started in the belton police department because we had an elderly lady that lived alone and when she passed away she was in her home for three months and nobody knew well, well, think about it. You don't have, you know, you don't have family. You don't have people checking on you. And so, from that, he developed, uh, or, or actually started the REO program and asked me to head it. We developed it from about 15 uh, participants to 300 by the time I left there. Uh, it's a program where we get volunteers. We bring them in. We train them. We have these volunteers call the elderly people that live alone at home. We have them call every day and check on. Because that way, if they have fallen, they've had a diabetic issue, whatever has happened with them, we at least have a chance to get somebody there to them. And so it was an amazing program. We ended up in the magazines. We ended up in the newspaper, on TV because of it. And uh, Skip Ahead ended up leaving Belton because I was living in Giddings, and it was just a terrible drive. It was like 90 miles one way. So I got a chance to come to Fayette County. And, uh, you know, again, 20, 20 minutes down the road, I thought, okay, this is really close to home. And I've never been a country cop. You know, I've been a city cop my whole life. But I'm a country girl. I've been a, a rancher and a farmer um, my entire adult life. I raise miniature donkeys. I raise miniature cattle. I raise miniature goats. I have a place in High Hill, 80 acres with 150 animals on it. Um, so, living in Giddings, got a chance to come to the Fayette County Sheriff's Office where I loved it. Uh, Sheriff Keith Grinnick was amazing. Um, 
I took on a bunch of different roles at the sheriff's office. I created the Facebook page, um, which is so popular there. Uh, started, am I, am I oh, okay, one moment. Okay, um, created the Peak Badge Project, which was a project that the community paid for deputies' badges in honor of somebody that died of breast cancer. Um, so I did a lot of different uh, projects there, but I wanted to bring the REOK program here. And we had just started it. Sheriff was excited about it. We got our uh, volunteers in place, and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, that completely wiped us out. So it's always been a, a, a thing of mine. And so when the constable's uh, position came up, I thought, you know, that, that would be an opportunity for me to be in law enforcement, which is what I love. I've been doing it for 31 years, to be in law enforcement and to be involved in the community. Because for me, constable's job, you know, you have things you have to do. You have to serve papers, you, like Roger was saying, you do evictions, you do all these things. But you have a lot of time to put yourself in the community. You should be seen in the community, you should be doing community projects. And so one of the things for me was to bring that REOK program back to Fayette County. And that's one of my biggest goals in trying to run for constable, is to get involved in the community this is my home now. This is where I want to be. I want to die here, probably. So uh, I want to bring community projects to Fayette County, um, and that's the reason I'm running. I'm, I'm very passionate about this county. Most of you that know me know that I go around and I teach situational awareness classes. Everything I do is about the safety of this community. And so I ask for your vote. Anybody in here for Precinct 4? Yay, y'all my people. Y'all my people. Okay, so I ask for your vote. I'm blessed to be here, and I appreciate y'all coming. Thank you for having me. Um, does anybody have any questions for Tammy? I don't have a question. I'm hearing from my table here. People want you to describe what Precinct 4 is. Okay, so Precinct, yeah. Precinct 4 uh, covers the Schulenburg area. Goes out down 90 towards Engel Prahawk, cuts up uh, 1383, kind of over to 609, goes up a portion of 77 to the top of the bluff, cuts across 155 to um, um, uh, Holman, Mullins Prairie area, goes all the way back around to the backside of Weimar, down 90, comes down 90 back into Schulenburg. So it covers a pretty big area. Um, if you aren't clear what your precinct is and you think you're in four, message me. I have a map. I can e email it to you or text it to you or whatever, and that way we can figure out where you are. And also, I have a Facebook page, website, all that. If you want to get in contact with me, my stuff is over here. I would love to meet all y'all in person if I haven't already met you. Any other questions? What does R U O K mean? Well, it, it, it means... Are you okay? It, so with as yeah, yeah, yes, ma'am. Sorry. So it was actually a national program, and I'm not real sure where it was originally developed, but it's a calling program where the volunteers call the person and say, "Are you okay?" Yes. And you know, it's really a great program because you have to think about when these people live alone; they don't have family. We're the only people they talk to every single day and so it's a it's a big deal for them i also created the silver santa program where instead of having blue santa like we have for the kids we created silver santa so we actually took a gift basket to every elderly person on our program during christmas so it was a pretty cool deal that's that's what i want to bring here any other 
Sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel <laughs> Yeah, are you okay? Thank yeah. you. Any other questions? Thank you so much. And while I'm thinking about it, uh, the Fayette County Republican women will be sponsoring uh, a situational awareness class for uh, county citizens in June. So you'll be hearing more about that as well. Um, okay, we're going to move on to the county chair race. Um, Deborah Frank uh, could not be here today. Her husband is in the hospital in Austin. But William Burnson uh, has volunteered to speak on her behalf. Yeah, just say everybody say a prayer for Deborah and her husband. We pray that they're safe and they get home safely today, and that he recovers very quickly, and that Deborah can get back to doing the important things that she does. The main thing I want to focus on um, is I want everybody to understand how important the county chair race is and all the things that they do. I don't think anybody really understands the number of things that they have to do and the amount of hours it takes for the program. So the most important thing they do is, up, uh, is, is run the primary election. So Deborah, as the party chair, runs an election every two years, and they work very closely with the elections office. But you know, it's a lot of work to recruit all the judges and the clerks and to do all the organizing, do ballot draws, and. Um, Forums. Uh, she spends a tremendous amount of time uh, organizing forums, and you know they're they're generally fairly well attended. But you know, uh, it's a labor of love. Not you know everybody doesn't come to the forums, but you know somebody's got to do those things, and she's been doing these things for a number of years. So I guess she took over after David Stahl. She's been doing it what six eight years now. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anybody work as hard as she has, or as many hours. I think she probably averages forty hours a week. Uh, and that during you know during the primaries is probably more like 60 uh, just with the, with the websites and emails and the meetings and the, the conventions they organize those precinct county conventions they go to all the state conventions uh, fair hoops parades it's just uh, so many things that she does and you know those things don't all have to be done but she does them because she has a love for conservatism and for education and, and she's uh, tireless in her efforts and very dedicated to the things that she does um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go on and on and on about it, but I just want everybody to understand how important it is, uh, how many hours they spend. And Deborah is retired, um, and so she has all the time to dedicate to it, and she's done a fantastic job. She has spent years developing relationships with people from other counties. She's absolutely loved by Senator Colcourse, and she, you know, she's developed many relationships with people from other districts and, and just from all the meetings that she attended. Um, and you know that, that position is not paid. I think she said she gets something like three hundred dollars every two years, <laughs> and it's based. I don't remember what, what, why it's three hundred, but it's something like three hundred dollars every two years. So she doesn't get reimbursed for any of the time or the miles or any of the expenses. And I've just never seen anyone put so much effort into a volunteer position. And it's such a very important position, not one to be taken lightly. Uh, she represents us with style and grace and professionalism, and she does a great job everywhere she goes. And I think it, it would be, um, she, I know she wants to continue to do it. She wants you, uh, she'd be happy to have your support, and I would appreciate everyone in here continuing to support her and letting her do all the things that she does so well for us. Um, thank you very much. Our next candidate for county chair is Michael Schlaubach. 
doing today? Yes. Good. Thank you all for having me. Uh, my name is Michael Slavak. I live in Ellinger, Texas. I'm originally from LaGrange. Um, I left LaGrange in 1987, went to the Army. I wasn't a bad A like he was. I was just a cook. But I, still, <laughs> I spent 10 years in the Reserve National Guard and had, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, when I got back, I moved to Austin when I got a basic AIT and at 22 years old, I seen some stuff in Austin I didn't like. Let's just say, I, I couldn't wait to get out of here, but I sure the heck couldn't wait to get back. So I've been back here um, since 22. I own a small business in Ellinger, tax army business. I'm president of the Ellinger Chamber of Commerce. I'm also the secretary of the water board. Um, my big, there's a couple of things as far as Republican chairman. And I'll tell you what kind of lit the fire under me to do this is during the governor's race. I'm lucky. I've got two fathers. My father was a Vietnam vet. And when he came back from Vietnam, he was very, very messed up. So my mother married another man named Daniel Slovak when I was six years old. Dan took me under his wing and he treated me as his seat. And he never called me stepson. He'd say, that's my boy. So I grew up with this man. As life grew older and my father's um, should I say anger and things that happened to him, my biological faded, we became very tight. So I'm blessed, I've got two dads and I love them both. But the father from Houston came down one time and we were driving around Fayette County during the governor's race. And he, when we got back home, he looked at me and said, son, I thought you said Fayette County was very, very conservative. I said, oh, dad, it is. He said, then why all I see is Beto signs? I kind of let it go. Uh, my sister-in-law lives in Cedar Creek over here at a little subdivision. We're going through. My wife looks at me. He was not political. She goes, I guess Beto's going to win. That's why I said that. She goes, ain't nobody got an Abbott sign. Where are they at? The Republicans, where are they at? We have so many people coming in here who will go take the time to get signs, who will take the time to show their pride. We know what we're going to do. We're at the age, I think we're all at the age, we're pretty stubborn. You ain't going to get me to vote Democrat if you paid me. I think most of it that way. What we have to look at is the young people coming in this county. And we've got a big, big influx of people coming from Austin who came from California. I've seen it. I've got friends of mine who lived on the West Coast. They came from California. They went into Oregon. They said, well, it didn't work in California. It won't work it here. Guess what? It failed. So they went up into Washington. They ran everybody out of Washington. They couldn't afford it there. So now they're starting to move east the same way they're moving in here. We've got to work with the young people. The Fayette County Republican women, all of us, we're good. I feel we need to focus a lot more on our youth and show them. Show them support. Where are the signs? Where's the Abbott signs? Well, they probably can't say they don't like Abbott because they don't see no signs. I mean, I know it's just a sign, that's it. But we've got to show the kids that we can do it. As far as experience, I'm not a politician, but I'm very determined. You can ask anybody in Ellinger or who comes to Ellinger Chamber of Commerce. And I'm not saying I did it as a team we did it, but we took a ragged old hall that was built in 1935, and right now we have one of the finest facilities in Fayette County to go to. The Ellinger Sewer and Water, when I got on there, for 10 years they had been working to get something done. I went to the TCQ, I worked with TWDB in Austin, and I worked my tail off. Right now, Ellinger, if you drive through there, there's a brand new uh, water treatment system coming in to prevent the arsenic, and we've got all the grant money, not loans, to build a new sewage plant. We've got an 18-unit apartment complex coming in, followed by 20 more in about three years. I grow things. I love this county. I want to leave it better than what I found it. That's my goal. And I feel that we've got a good system in place. Yes, the elections are. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. 
But in between that, what are we doing to bring the youth in? What are we doing to show them? And that's our target. That's where we have got to go. We've got to start concentrating there because there's a lot of people moving into this county who's going to try to influence in other ways. And it's time we stand up and start getting young because, like I said, Austin's moving here. People go, I don't understand why they drive to Austin. Well, when they live in San Francisco, it takes them two hours to go 10 miles. Here it takes them one hour to go 60 and make the same money. And they're coming in and they've got to stop. And it's like I said, we just don't want That's the focus on Republican chair is to start getting involved with our youth a lot more. And that's all I got. Thank you. Um, start going to talking to some younger people. Start talking to younger people. Start finding people. Start finding people that work at the restaurants. I don't care where they work. Have youth activities. Have youth fun nights. It's just the same thing a church would do when they have their little sit-in, you know, things. Start having events to focus more. I don't care if it's basketball games. I don't care if you rent a gym out. But just start getting organized and trying to get, you know, like I said, just activities. I don't care if it's camping trip. Whatever it is. Some kind of activity that's fun that they see that they can go in and come together with more like-minded people. Right now, they, all they're doing is sitting around on the internet reading all this stuff, and 99% of your media is very liberal, so that's where they're getting ideas from. They've got to find leadership here, people that they respect to tell them that it's wrong. And there's a lot of people out there, they're just so frustrated, don't even want to get involved anymore. So that's what I do is start trying to get some kind of activities. And, you know, get some younger people, even at the fair, Talk to some of the high schoolers. See if they can start a Republican Youth Club. Different things such as that. But we've got to start at the grassroots right now. There is nothing like that. I mean, look how great y'all are. Look at what a good attendance you had. You could do the same thing with younger people, too. And then let them, you know, keep going and going and going, you know. And it just, that's, like I said, the answer, I don't have ideas, I do. And I think working together, we can build them up. You know, you could even do a thing like this and have bring your grandkids with you. You know, certain little activities like that, just to see where they see we're not a bunch of old footy days. We're actually pretty fun. So, anybody else? Now, thank y'all very much. Um, I will tell you that by the end of 2024, all the members of the Fayette County Republican women will be very proficient in social media, all social media outlets. And that is one of the reasons for some of the changes that we're making with our website and having, having the capability of using social media um, a lot more and possibly exclusively. So anyway, we are knowing that we need to reach out to the youth. And all of you um, have children within your sphere of influence. Uh, might be children, grandchildren, nieces and nephews and all. But um, in, there are opportunities for you all to talk to these kids and invite them to join you to go to church or uh, meetings. We love having kids come to our meetings. We've had some great topics. Um, last year we had an organization from Texas A&M sponsored um, that brought service animals and we're able to talk to the kids about uh, service animals and now we have a member of our club whose granddaughter 
is involved in that organization now. Isn't that wonderful? Because she was able to find out about that organization and direct her granddaughter to it at A&M. But anyway, does anyone have any other questions before we adjourn the meeting? Yes, sir. Okay. Would you like to come up to the front? Okay. Thank you so much. We did the best that we could to get everybody on the schedule, but thank you for being here. Yeah. Well, that's my fault for not doing that because up until the last day of last year, I was employed by another employee and I took care of fleet trucks. You never know what you will do, so I couldn't more or less schedule what I was doing. Anyway, my name's Robert Chambers. I'm a resident of Fed County, uh, born in Kirkland, Texas, 1947. That's a long time ago. I've been in law enforcement since uh, 1980. Vaseline Coleman called me and asked me to come in and see it. Mm. Ain't a good thing when Sheriff calls you and asks you to come to the Grand Texas. <laughs> Not especially being fed flat tongue. Okay, go up there and he asked me to become a deputy. I told him I didn't know if I was man enough to do the job. I told him that there was a constable down in Fed County by the name of Bob Critchett. He wanted to be the deputy. Put him on and understood he was going to get a reserve program started. And he said he was. And I said, let me go to that reserve school, get my license, and we'll see what happens. So in 1980, I paid for my schooling, went through the schooling, and became a deputy for Fifth County. Uh, put in about 10 years with uh, Copeland. Two years of lieutenant as police department in Flat Tony and went back to Copeland for the last two years of his term. Uh, and Rick Vandal ran for office in 1980 and uh, for sheriff's office and I ran for his position and got elected and I've been there since then. I think it's about 34 years at the end of this term that I've been constable in Precinct 3. I'd like to keep it at least one more term, and I'd enjoy the heck out of helping the people of Fifth County. Well, the previous job, lots of people here probably don't even know me or have never seen me because most of my work was done at night because I had a fleet truck that I had to take care of. That's what made me money. Uh, thank you for your times. Questions? Precinct 3, Flatonia, Cistern, Molden, up Cisole 9, all the way to Ingle. Okay. Uh, then it comes back up here and to LaGrange. Skip overs now and starts up 77, is that right, Jane? 77, north up here on the left hand side. That's part of Precinct now, too, because of the population. When I first took office, Precinct 3 was the largest precinct in the county, county miles wise. Uh -huh. Not population, but the county miles. The main city is Flatonia. That's where our JP's office yes. is, in my office. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Right. Right. Yeah. Robert Chambers. Oh,
all again for being here. I have just a couple of things to say before we go. First of all, uh, our, our represent our people, our candidates have all brought their uh, signs and their flyers. Please be sure and take something. You know, it, it really is a good thing for us to show our support. So I encourage you to get behind a candidate and put their sign in your yard. And you're right, we, we want Democrats to drive through Fayette County and just keep on going because they see that this is a Republican county. So we all need to get out of the closet and get, show, our, show our pride and put our signs in our yards. So I encourage you all to do that. Also, uh, you know, we are all Republicans in this room, and uh, as this organization, um, everybody that's a candidate or an elected official, uh, we, we are the people, the Fayette County Republican women, we're the people that work for you. We get you elected. We might have to get you unelected sometimes. Don't do job. We are to be considered your human resources department. So we would like everyone in this room, if you're not currently a member, we would, I would encourage you to get an application filled out today. We love our men in this organization. Uh, if you're a woman, we need you. We need you. If you're a man, we want you. Okay? <laughs> so we love our associate members. The only thing you, the only thing you can't do is vote. But that's all right. That's all right. We're, we're in charge. So um, we would love for you all to be members of our organization. Uh, we have a, uh, we, we need uh, some more help. We really need some social media help. If anybody is really hot shot on that social media, we'd love for you. We'd love to talk to you and see if you could maybe be our social media committee chair. So uh, thank you so much. Let me see. Let me put my picture Yes, yes. Before the candidates leave, Carmela, did you get pictures? You didn't get pictures. Did you want me to? No, no, no. Um, yeah, before the candidates leave, why don't you come up here? William, can you take care of that? Yeah, William will take care of getting pictures for everybody. Also, there is a, a calendar of events on your table. This is for the next three months. It has our meetings on it. It also has the upcoming party forums. The first one will be uh, Sunday the 28th, It'll be in Schulenburg. So uh, this will be a longer meeting, It'll be a four-hour meeting, so you'll be able to really dig in and get to know a little bit more about the candidates. Then there'll be one uh, February 4th in Ellinger, and then the third one will be in the Grange on February 17th. So I know everybody wants to um, attend those also. Our next meeting will be February 13th. I hope y'all like the lunch meetings. Um, I think this is just an easier time for us all to come together. Um, Sorry, that's the board meeting. You're welcome to come. But um, our next meeting will be the February 21st. Yes, yes, our general meeting. And early voting will begin on February 20th. And uh, what else? Anything else that we're forgetting? Uh, so take take a calendar with you so you can make sure you can uh, attend everything. Uh, we're hoping to have our new website up by the end of the month, so we will be sending out an e-blast to just uh, get everybody aware of it to you know log in and and start using using that as a resource. So once again, thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you next month. If all the candidates could come up here, and we'll take your picture.
Thank you.